The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts. The Heart of Art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Hello, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. For today's show, I will be revisiting my conversation with James Gregg. He was actually a part of our KMU production team, but is now working as a freelance photo editor at the New York Times. So we are definitely wishing him the best. We have a great conversation about photojournalism and what it means to him and how much he had to fight to get his foot in the door uh, to get many of the opportunities that he did have. So it's a very inspirational uh, conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. And now for our, our announcements, we have um, the James R. Reynolds Gallery, which is a gallery in the MSC. This is a student-curated gallery, um, and they currently just opened an exhibition today. And this exhibition starts the conversation on America's relationship with food and the food industry. Um, and it does this by uh, ex by displaying Kathleen Elliott's glass sculptures. Um, and these beg to reimagine how we look at food and its packaging. And it's actually uh, very visceral. Um, and I encourage you all to attend. And there's a lot to discuss in those glass pieces that uh, she has created and that the James R. Reynolds Gallery has made available for all of the Brazos Valley. So make sure to go and check it out. All right. And for our second art announcement, we have... Uh, the theater company is actually doing their first presentation of Descendants this Friday. And Descendants is based on a Disney film from 2015. And it features the children of famous Disney villains such as Maleficent, the Evil Queen, Cruella de Vil, and Jafar. Um, so yeah, it is a lot of fun for the whole family. And it begins this Friday, October 14th, uh, for the next three weekends until October 30th. And that's Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. So make sure to go to the theatercompany.com. That's theatercompany.com uh, for your tickets. All right, now let's start my conversation with James Gregg. Uh, he has a background in photojournalism, and if you want to check out his work, uh, you can go to his website at jamesgregphoto.com. That's jamesgreg with two G's, G-R-E-G-G, photo.com. Hi, James. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'm very excited for a conversation today. Uh, I'm a big fan of cinema, so I love, you know, analyzing shots and composition of an image. Um, so I'm interested to see how you do this through photojournalism. And I kind of want people to know what photojournalism is. So can you define what it is for us first? Oh, wow. That's like one of the, that's a terrific question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Mm -hmm. I, I think the best way I would describe it is uh, truthful storytelling with a camera. Okay. Uh, photojournalism happens in magazine and newspapers. It happens online. It happens in cinema as well in some cases. Uh, but the, the, the main thing I would say is that it's, 
is done through the lens of a camera, whether that's in stills or in motion, uh, and the importance of it being that the storytelling is factual. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, that's good to have because that's what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> okay, so I like to go over the background of my guests and what kind of where that love for that art started. So um, what would you call home? Where were you raised? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a great question. I was born in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I did uh, kindergarten through high school in Warland, Wyoming. Okay. It's wow. the north central part of the state. Mm -hmm. And is that where you started um, thinking about journalism? Was that even in your head at that time? You know, my the, the memory that I have is sitting in the garage surrounded by stacks of National Geographic magazines mm -hmm. that my mother had gotten from her mom and had just sort of been collected and I guess stowed away uh, on the floor of the garage and just flipping through those pages. I think that's where I started to get an imagination for uh, photography and, and for storytelling with photography. Mm -hmm. I saw that um, in, in your bio on your website that this is also where you kind of, you knew that you had an interest of people. Um, do you know where that comes from or was that just innate? Yeah, I think that the curiosity around humans, right? Versus in photography specifically where uh, some people really are attracted to still life, uh, to flora and fauna, to landscape, mm -hmm. um, lots of different things that, you know, there are wonderful photographers that don't enjoy photographing people at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that the, for me, I wanted to know about what's going on with human beings and, and in social circumstances, cultural circumstances always appealed to me. Uh, I, would, I was on a study abroad trip in Ecuador uh, when I was in high school and I remember being downtown and just looking around me and being fascinated by that and, and wishing that I had a way of interacting with it, communicating with it, but it was very much the hustle bustle, the people coming and going, the interactivity of that, of, of just people being people that always fascinates me. Right. Um, yeah, it seems like this visit to the Ecuador was pretty life-changing for you. I think it kind of was just like a stepping stone towards where you wanted to go. Um, would you say that is the case? Definitely. Yeah. That was a place where, uh, you know, the imagination behind seeing those magazines and actually having an opportunity to m go myself was was really wild. That's awesome that you had that experience. And then you took that to the University of Kansas, right? I did. I went back to Wyoming for a school year. Okay. Uh, at that time, the, the high school did not recognize my time in Ecuador as academic. Oh. And so I still needed to go back to complete my requisites for graduation. Right. Okay. And, and then you went to University of Kansas. And what did you study there? I'm a Spanish and Latin American studies major. Okay. Um, and then through there, you studied abroad in Costa Rica, which was another opportunity that you got to uh, explore another culture. And this is where you say you started photography, right, in Costa Rica? Yeah, I think really, I, I think I started in Ecuador. But the, okay. the, the biggest difference was that, uh, you know, I ran around and took a lot of pictures in Ecuador, but I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't what I would say f being a photographer necessarily. I, I had a, a little point-and-shoot plastic camera. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I always sort of wished that I, I think that my mind told me that I, if I had a better camera, somehow it would make a difference. But um, but I kind of wished that I could be a legitimate photographer. And I remembered, uh, you know, those experiences with what I had been exposed to. And so 
in preparation to go to Costa Rica, I felt like, okay, this is my chance. Uh, this time, yeah, I want to go and do it for real. I know what to do now. Yeah, well, I had no idea what to no. do, but I wanted to try, and I pretended pretty well. But I prepared, right? I I saved up some money and I got a um, a fairly basic camera setup, but definitely like what I considered to be like a real photo uh, setup. And I looked at uh, looked at books and magazines. I sort of tried to teach myself, um, even though I didn't really have much clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we we all start somewhere, right? Um, and then. You started a position at a newspaper in, in northern Colorado, as well as a staff position in a startup. I want to ask a little bit about this startup because it says that you were a photographer and reporter for a product in Spanish. Is, was that the case? Yeah. So uh, when I got back, uh, I really didn't know what I w- was going to do with myself. Uh, I had this degree, but what am I supposed to do with a Spanish and Latin American studies degree if not uh, pursue a master's and then go into teaching? Right. Um, I still had this fascination with with fascination with photography. I had sort of pretended to be a photographer during my semester in Costa Rica and uh, came back and was very excited that I had these pictures, but I didn't know what to do about any of that. Um, I ended up volunteering with an agency in Denver for about six months, and the owner of that agency, his name is Rich Clarkson, and Rich was very intimidating because he's a legend that I I learned. Um, He was a former director of photography at National Geographic, the Topeka Capital Journal, uh, and uh, the Denver Post. And then he also uh, was a lifelong uh, photographer for Sports Illustrated and um, started submitting pictures to them when he was a student at the University of Kansas. So there was this connectivity. uh, Pretty intimidating. um, He's also old school and very... um, um, you know, welcoming to me, but also tough. And from there, I went to Greeley, and uh, I was a, a free intern there for a little while. Um, the way you kind of break in, if you're non-traditional like I was, is you just sort of beg and plead for an opportunity. And and Rich had coached me to try to find a small paper that would maybe let me do things for them, probably off hours, nights and weekends, probably the less desirable assignments that the staff photographers wouldn't want to do or that the regular freelancers wouldn't want to do and um, they'd probably be unpaid. So I found the Greeley Tribune had a posting for a, an internship and I thought, okay, I'm going to apply for this and had gotten a little bit of confidence just because Richard kind of looked at my work and told me that I should start to ask these things. So uh, I found out later that they kind of made fun of me a little and then threw away my portfolio. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> but but in following up, I was so naive that I was brave enough to keep calling until I got a hold of somebody. And they said, you know, know who you are. It's nice that you follow up. But listen, you're not going to give you the internship. I'm going with somebody else. And, you know, thanks for trying. Maybe you keep trying, but uh, it's not going to be here. And I says, OK, totally understand. Can I please come and visit your newsroom? I just want to come and see what it is. I've never seen one. Hmm. And uh, lucky for me, his name is Darren McGregor. He was the chief photographer at the time. Actually, he wasn't chief photographer yet. At any rate, Darren says, uh, sh- sh- whatever, sure. And he, I went up there, and he didn't have any assignments that day, and he sat with me all day and talked to me about his work, what it is like to be at a newspaper. And, the, and at the end of the day, he said, you know, I don't know why you would want to do this, but we do have a program for uh, students who enrolled in university that they can come once a week and take, like, an assignment once a week. And you could do that. I don't know why you would. You're much older. You have a job. And I 
And I said, please, you know, he said, we'd lend you equipment. And it just blew my mind. And uh, I quit my job and moved up there and lived in a camper uh, in a friend's field, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they had more work than I could handle. So they let me work for them every day for, you know, I didn't get paid, but I got a job waiting tables. And um, that led to the the opportunity um, for the for the startup. They, they started a Spanish language weekly paper at that newspaper. Wow. This is like 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. At that time, there was this national interest in creating um, new economic models for newspapers. There was kind of a little bit of a canary in the coal mine that newspapers were gonna face some challenges. And so they were looking for alternative revenue streams and they thought that having Spanish language products would help them access that marketplace. Okay. So they started one, and they needed somebody who could take pictures and who spoke Spanish. Awesome. And you were persistent, and you were there. <laughs> awesome. I'm very uh, happy for you that, that, that that's how that played out. All right, you guys, we will be going on a quick break, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Support for KAMU is provided by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts, presenting Cleopatra Boy by Theater Ensemble, a host of people, on Thursday, October 20th at 7 p.m. in Rudder Theater, a theatrical experiment that is part pageant, part courtroom drama, inspired by the iconic Egyptian pharaoh's historic, mythic, and fictional representations. More information at academyarts.tamu.edu. Hello, good evening, everyone. You're listening to The Heart of Art, and now we will continue with my conversation with James Gregg, a photojournalist working as a photo editor at The New York Times. I pulled this quote from your bio as well. It said, it was there that my background in language and culture had impact that led to journalism that previously had been underreported or unknown. Would you say that that is your purpose, to kind of highlight those underrepresented communities? In Greeley, there is about a 50% a little bit more than 50% now. I'd have to check the demographics now, but at that time, it was definitely right on that edge of 50% uh, Hispanic, Latino. Much of that early generation, either first generation um, or, you know, there's, there's certainly multiple iterations, but there's a lot of people there that didn't speak English. Mm -hmm. And the demand of that historically had been the demand for mano de obra, right? Like labor force. Right. It's highly agricultural there. Um, so it has a history of farming and ranching that, um, you know, when establishing these industries, there were programs that actually drew up um, labor force from south of the United States, El Salvador, Mexico, primarily there, some of the other countries as well, but primarily you're looking at, at Mexico and then some spillover from El Salvador just because of proximity. But there would be these programs that would bring people up, inevitably that fueled that people would stay and create community. And then um, also the draw of the labor force would continue to draw up um, undocumented labor as well. So, you know, people create communities wherever they are. And there was, frankly, a very defined other side of the tracks in Greeley. And that's where I spent most of my time in that newspaper. And it was a blessing. Um, you know, I found myself looking the way that I do, you know, Scotch-Irish and growing up in um, you know, the middle of America in small town um, with without much exposure to different cultures. And, um, you know, I would every time I would walk into a room, I would, um, you know, need to justify my presence. And I got used to being uncomfortable with 
you know, just walking in and telling people, hi, this is who I am. This is what I'm here to do. And is that okay with you? And just sort of putting myself aside and letting other people give me a chance. And I was really um, initially surprised, but then came to expect that people were very welcoming. Um, they let me into their homes. They let me use their names in publication, even though they might not have the right paperwork to be around. Mm-hmm. It was a time where, um, you know, there were certain local politicians pushing to get an ICE office established in Greeley, an Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office there. There was tension in the community. There was longstanding political division. Um, but there was also, you know, concerts that people would put on. There were baseball games and soccer games, and there were birthday parties, and there were community health uh, you know, issues that were being addressed by groups of people that had coordinated to be able to bring out awareness about you know, things like um, heart health and diabetes prevention and um, nutrition and things like that that communities serve also. So I got a chance to, you know, as the entertainment and sports reporter, in addition to doing the photography for all of the paper, um, I got a chance to see the slices of life of pretty much, you know, a lot of different aspects of that world. And it wasn't simply the, politici- the politically charged sides of, you know, being in a Spanish-speaking community. It was regular life. Mm-hmm. Right. It was definitely a, a rising need um, where you were at. Um, I actually did want to ask, would you say that this art of photojournalism is an art born from necessity? Wow, that's a great question, too. I think that for the people who commit themselves to doing it, um, there is a need. Uh, I think that the need that personally to answer this question that we all have about what am I supposed to do about this? Um, How can I somehow, you know, feed this calling that a lot of people have, I think, that says that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the world around me. Um, it has something to say. How can I help it have a voice? And um, for me, I definitely found that this photography stuff was of interest, and I didn't know what I was going to do about it. I mean, I would have been super happy coming back from, um, you know, from my trip in Costa Rica to have been taken under the wing of a wedding photographer. I just wanted to take pictures. Um, I didn't really know why. But when I was exposed to newspaper photography, it gave me a purpose in my life. And I found that when you have situations with people where they accept you into their space and their personal space and then their personal stories, they don't do that for everybody. And and oftentimes these are things that people hadn't even necessarily shared with people closest to them. Their own family members might not have heard them say these things or seen them um, vulnerable in these ways. And, and again, like it could be a simple thing. It could be making a cake or being at a, at a birthday party. It's not really, doesn't have to be tragedy, but it's a special opportunity when people let you see who they are. And I think that we as humans are interconnected and we do have a, a need in our lives to be connected socially. Humans are not healthy in isolation. We are supposed to interact. We are supposed to be in community. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that journalism, photojournalism, photography, and visual connectivity 
has an opportunity to greater that understanding and that connectivity for people when used correctly. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and then I would say that you've also dipped into um, like video production through photojournalism. Um, and I was wanting to ask about this combination of the visual media with the auditory media. And do you think that like that helps it, the impact of the message and it coming across to the people? I do. I, I think certainly as a craftsperson, uh, being capable of wielding these different tools that we have allows you to to have a better voice for the topics that you're dealing with. In the early times, when I was in Greeley, say, uh, it was emerging at that time. We're talking 2005, 2006. I guess it was 04 to, to 06. So the topics started to emerge in professional circles that we needed to start to pay attention to audio. I was at a conference in Oregon, and that was something I always try to do is like continue my own concurrent education. I was non-traditional. I didn't go to school for this stuff. The only way that I would learn is through influence by others. And so getting to conferences and get-togethers was important to me. And I went to one, and they had a topic that was a breakout session. You know, you could go see, this is about lighting. This is about interviews. This is about whatever. And they had one that said audio. And I thought, what the hell am I supposed to do at a photo conference to go to an audio session? Right. Um, at that time, it seemed a little silly. And I like, I'm not in radio. I'm not going to be a disc jockey. I went into the room and a couple of gentlemen that were from the San Jose Mercury News at that time made a presentation that absolutely blew my mind. They showed pieces that were audio slideshows, um, wonderful photography, put together in a fashion and edited in a way that worked with these audio Compo- the compositions that they had created in the field from real life it was there was one that was as simple as riding the bus and i will never forget this experience of seeing these wonderful images from this great photographer on the bus like the type of photography that i aspire to street photography the wonderful things like that would be like hanging in a gallery somewhere of like you know urban life and the sounds of people hustling and bussing and having conversation and there was a uh, you could hear the swishing around of water in a bowl. Somebody had a goldfish on the bus. And the sensory activation of, of, of how that audio interacted with the visuals was super impactful. And it was the very tip of the spear of a complete um, change in how we would come to think about photojournalism in this country. Because soon after that, the demand for Internet content started to rise and rise quickly. So it started with this idea of like, you have to be more than a printed picture in the paper. You have to figure out what are you going to do on the web. And so this idea of audio slideshow um, was, came, came up. And so all of a sudden, we have these audio recorders that we're taking with us and trying to gather sound in the space that we're photographing and then figure out how to put this together. And it absolutely opened things up into yeah, new possibilities. Definitely. Um, I saw a lot of images on in your website and you know your composition of shots is just masterful I think I mean it evokes so much emotion um how do you piece together an image oh wow I bet those tough tough questions answer now it's wonderful um you know if you if you think about something like composition there are some um 
some principles that you would follow if you say went to an, into, into art education say now a lot of this i had to learn later on and, and not that i ever did learn it i you know i never attended art school um or any classwork on painting um though i think it would benefit me um i learned later about how the discipline of composition through you know a, a rectangle that you know that's painting that's film that's photography um there are some things about making images that are layered and complex so i could tell you uh, one thing that we talk about compositionally if somebody's interested in photography and they hear this one of the basic fundamentals is to say you compose your images from infinity forward and from the edges in and what that means is that if you look like a if you look at a rectangle a lot of photography a lot of your own photography maybe looks like the, if you have a piece of content that you think is the most important in there and you cover that up either with a little piece of paper or with your thumb or something you might find that the rest of the image is not very interesting that you have what we would maybe call like a one-point picture or two-point picture that you got the person's face in the frame but what else is happening in there there might not be very much if you look at like w gene smith and um you know cardi Brisson, some of the like you know more well-known um you know artists that were also credited as being you know photojournalists or influences on photo traditional photography you see that if there's no place in that frame that you can cover because it's all content so in a basic way you're trying to create images that maximize the space that they that they use so that all of it's important and all of it's interesting to look at Bresson would say that you know when when we hear this idea of like the defining moment it's not about the thing that happens in the frame it's about there being like five or seven things all elements of that picture that if that they all sort of reach a moment when they're kind of working together in harmony and it makes one complete frame that holds up from the edges in and from infinity forward meaning like the background is just as important as the foreground and that the edges of your picture are just as important as the person smiling in the middle of the frame all of these things working together in harmony in that in that just that one little moment and that if any one of them is not working the entire picture falls apart it's like a it's like a, st a stack of cards it's a beautiful work of art that's five stories tall but if you pull one card from the bottom the entire thing falls apart right yeah wow thank you for that little master class <laughs> that was awesome um well, thank you uh, for stopping by and having this conversation with me. Uh, but I also want to thank you for your work in the Latin community, for my community. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. All right, you guys. And now to finish off the show, we will be listening to an excerpt of music written and performed by Dr. Warren Warren. And this is titled Justice Title Rocker. And if you're interested in music like this, you can check out his band, The Bad Four Five Fives.
right, you guys, that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a big thank you to James Gregg. Uh, I wish you good luck in all your future endeavors. And if uh, you have forgotten the email to give me all the news that, of art events going on here in the Brazos Valley, as well as uh, any prospective artists that you'd want to see featured here on the show, uh, make sure to email theheartofart at tamu.edu. All right, have a great week and make sure to tune in next week. I'm Hector Nino, and you've been listening to The Heart of Art, a production of 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can find all of our shows anytime at kamu.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts.